But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time, and he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. As the old English street preacher said, if you've got no teeth, teeth will be provided. Our context today is the Lord has been asked three questions. Prior to the three questions, he predicted the destruction of Jerusalem, he, uh, the temple, and the city, and he lamented, predicted, said not one stone's going to be left on another, and they asked him three questions. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? He had already predicted his return. He says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. I'm coming back to receive you to myself. So they had heard that teaching, so they asked him this triple-barreled question, and he answered it uh, with the last question first and then back to the first question, and now he's addressing the second question, what will be the sign of your coming or of your return? He says, heaven and earth will pass away, verse 35 of Matthew 24, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So while we have not yet seen this part of his predictions fulfilled, we did see the first part fulfilled in 70 AD. Uh, that place was destroyed. But of that day, verse 36, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. So we don't know the day nor the hour. Now, in Acts chapter 1, they asked him, was it time for him to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know times or seasons 
which the Father has in his own authority. So when it comes to the Father's authority, we don't know the day, nor the hour, nor the times, nor the seasons, but we do know the signs, don't we? Who sees, who's seeing more signs now than they've ever seen? Amen. Um, I remember when the killer bees were coming. Now the murder hornets are coming. It's tough. Verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Some of that could be good, some could be bad. But they had other priorities until the day that Noah entered the ark. So for 120 years, he preached of the coming judgment. And no doubt there were other men who died before the flood that had proclaimed that God was going to deal with the wickedness that was in the earth. And yet, they did not heed. They were not ready. Somebody say, be ready. I remember hearing the story of a young man that had invited a girl out on a date, and he gave her a set time, and she dolled herself up, dressed up in her best. She smelled good. She cleaned up. She was looking her best, and he didn't show. And after an hour, she gave up on waiting and put on her PJs, began to eat her ice cream right out of the container, somewhat depressed, and watching her favorite old school movie. An hour after that, two hours late, here shows up the date. He knocks on the door. She answers the door. He said, what? I'm two hours late and you're still not ready. (laughs) Now, in the natural realm, guys, if Ladies, if a guy's late like that, just don't go out with him. It's a sign, but unless he's contacted you. But in the, as far as the Lord's return is, we are to be ready. There's something about being ready that helps, helps you live right, helps you live straight. You know our human nature. Carnality would just rule and reign in our lives if we knew the day and the hour, the time and the season when he would come. We would just horse around till the time came. And then we'd clean up real quick. And then we wouldn't be very good witnesses for the Lord. So the on-fire witnesses for the Lord are people that are rapture ready, second coming ready, judgment of God ready, wrath of God ready. They are ready at any moment, but they're living as though it's not going to happen but righteously. In other words, they're planning as though the Lord's not going to come soon. So we're going to disciple our kids. We're going to help raise our grandkids. We're going to be an influence in our community because he may not come, but yet he may come. You know, the big lie is, isn't, um, there is no God. The big lie isn't, there is no day of judgment. The big lie is there is no reason to be urgent. That creates slackers. There's a sense of urgency we should live with because the Lord is coming back and the world needs to know. And none of us are promised tomorrow per se. Show me chapter and verse where you are promised tomorrow. Obviously, with eternal life, we've got way more than tomorrow, right? But in the temporal realm, we do not always know what tomorrow holds. So the Lord may be coming for you tomorrow, (laughs) 
or for the one you're witnessing to tomorrow, or even before the sun goes down today. So there's always room for urgency in light of the Lord's return by looking at our human frailty. All right, verse 40, then two will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Be ready. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. If the fancy part of Chicago knew the looters were on their way, maybe they would have done things differently, right? Perfect illustration. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, God isn't a linear thinker. He views time from his perception, his perspective. Now, he got a taste through Christ in the incarnation of what it's like to live you know, by the calendar and all that, but yet he is God. And so we've got to keep that in mind, that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. In other words, 365,250 days is just like one day to the Lord. How long is it a second? Well, it's 365,250 seconds. Where do you get to 250? Don't forget leap year, right? So a second to the Lord is like over four days. He's not shook up. He's coming soon, and it's only been a couple days to him. That's not a formula to use to try to predict the Lord's return. Remember the book, 88 Reasons Why? The Lord's coming back in 88. That was a bestseller. If he wrote the book, 89 Reasons, I don't think it would have sold so well. So we don't know when he's coming, but he's coming when we do not expect. So let's live with an expectation for the Lord's return and rejoice because our redemption draws nigh. As you see, the world get darker, the church is to grow brighter, and we anticipate his coming. We occupy until he comes. In Luke, there's that parable of the minas or the pounds, divided 10 pounds or 10 minas but amongst 10 people. It's a form of money, and they were to invest them. And when the master left, he says, I'm coming back, but occupy until I come back. So we are to occupy, stay busy with what the Lord has invested us with till he returns. Now, here's today's parable, verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master may ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? So he delegates authority to wise servants. If you have a company, you don't delegate authority to those that horse around when you're gone. What is it? When the cat's away, the mice will, you know. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. Can you say trustworthy? But if that evil servant... So this is about a faithful and wise servant versus an evil servant. Someone who's foolish or unfaithful is considered evil in the eyes of this parable. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat 
fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, just horsing around, squandering the trust that has been bestowed upon him. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The pain of regret. Now there's a parallel to this in Luke 12. If you could turn there. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily, I say unto you, that he shall gird himself, and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant, which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Luke 12, verse 35, let's look at this quickly. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Surely, I say to you, that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. So the job of the servant is, is to serve the master when he comes home from a long journey. But if he finds them staying up late, being ready, being ready, it will uh, motivate him to bless them. Maybe he'll have them sit down and he'll serve them a meal. He's blessed by their faithfulness. Can we say blessing? blessing? And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch, what time is that? That's late, late, late. And find them so, blessed are those servants going to bless them even more. 
But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord's response is obvious. It's for everybody. There were times he would give them commands, and it was just to them, you know? Go into Samaria and get food. Um, Find me some bread and fish. (laughs) Unique things that are just for those disciples for that time. But the Lord's commands for the masses apply to us today. If you use the Lord's commission to, to his disciples, you may that was unique to them, you may be tempted to go steal someone's donkey. (laughs) Right? Or to try to turn water into wine. Praise the Lord, he did it again. You heard about that story? The guy, DWI guy, got pulled over by the police and said, what is in that bottle? He said, it's water. He said, let me smell that. He said, this is whiskey. Praise the Lord, he did it again. Verse 42, the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise servant whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. If you own a company and you see your employees working when when they don't know you're watching, that just blesses your heart. They're faithful, right? Truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. If you're not trustworthy in the boss's absence, you're not going to get promoted. But if that servant says in his heart, my master's delaying is coming and begins to beat the male and female servants, you know, his power goes to his head. He begins to oppress those under his authority and to eat and drink and to be drunk. This kind of thing happens in the real world. Sometimes owners of companies fall off the rails. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and in an hour when he is not aware and will cut him to and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Those whom the Lord loves, he chastens. So it may not even be the second coming. Tomorrow may be the day of judgment in your life for squandering the Lord's blessing. Verse 47, and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself ado according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Can you say great penalty? But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. Can you say lesser penalty? So the more you're promoted, the more is expected of you. And when we stand before God, we will be judged on the basis of what we know. And no one will be with an excuse Because God's handiwork is displayed in creation. There is a God, and we will be accountable to him. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful servants, that we would be motivated from your word. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray this for your glory. Amen. We've been on a journey through parables from the vantage point of Matthew's sharing. He's got like twice the number of parables in his book than the other gospels have. Today, we're looking at the parable of the faithful and unfaithful servants or the, 
wise and evil stewards. Our subtitle could be the characteristics of faithfulness. Faithful and unfaithful servants, the characteristics of faithfulness. Faithfulness is a noun. It's a reality in the earth that if it exists, it blesses those through the life of the one that has faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. We're blessed by God's faithfulness. It's someone who has this is faithful. Faithful is an adjective or a noun. Oh, come all ye faithful. People can be called faithful if they're faithful, right? Simplify is always faithful. The motto of the Marines. It means to be thorough in the performance of duty, to be true to one's own word, promises and vows, to be steady in allegiance or affection, to be loyal, constant, reliable, trusted, or believed, or believable because of faithfulness, adhering to or true to fact, a standard, or an original, accurate. If it's a faithful measurement, if it's a faithful scale, if it's a faithful thermometer, you can trust what it tells you because of faithfulness. Faithfulness is in demand. Who knows that? It is in demand. Employers are looking for it. There's education. There's skills. There's gifts. There's personalities. But then there's character displayed in faithfulness. In our text today, the Lord asks, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? The one who's entrusted with authority in the master's household is the one who's faithful and wise. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says, many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find? Single ladies, he may look fine and he may talk fine and he may sing pretty, look pretty and smell good and have lots of money, but is he faithful? Confidence in an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. It don't feel good. It hurts. Faithfulness will be rewarded. The Lord continues, blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. He will entrust him with more authority. Now, we live in a day when it is becoming more and more popular to look down on those who are blessed materially, as though they've committed crimes to get to where they are. Now, some people do. But there is prosperity in the soil. There's prosperity in hard work. There's prosperity in wise investments. And there's prosperity in submission to authority and being trustworthy. So rather than being jealous of your master, do what you can to serve him. Even if he is unjust, you're going to be blessed in the long run. Proverbs goes on to say, 28.20, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich 
will not go unpunished. Get-rich-quick schemes, shortcuts to wealth are not lasting. The faithful are blessed for being ready. In Luke 12's parable, he says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. He's gone to a shindig. He's gone to something very special, and he's needing you to be available when he comes home. Needs for you to take his saddle off and, you know, off his horse and off his camels and help get things in order for the next day so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will happen. Well, I've had bosses take advantage of me, yada, yada, yada. I've seen that, but I've also seen customers hire faithful employees out from under unjust bosses. It happens. The faithful are not weakened by delays. Because they're faithful, it's not based on anyone else's performance. If things are delayed, you don't slack off. Why? Because you are faithful. You just are. It's a characteristic that stands on its own, based on the faithfulness of God, of course. If he comes, Luke 12 continues, if he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Faithful people for 20-plus centuries have been ready for the Lord's return. At times in history, it's been, it seems, but a remnant. But it keeps the church alive and on our toes and on our feet. Why is the Lord delaying his coming? Peter said he's not willing that any should perish. It's his mercy that is extending the opportunity so that no one will say, I didn't have a chance. Faithful people take good care of little things, the things that no one notices behind the scenes. Faithful men and women take care of those things because they're important. He who is faithful, Luke 16 says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. I heard a story of a well-known rock band that had an awesome stage presence, lots and lots of equipment. And when they performed somewhere, they insisted on so many pounds of M&Ms without any, I think, blue M&Ms in. Is blue M&Ms a normal thing? Right? So there should be no blue M&Ms in this container. If they find a blue M&M, they call off the concert. And someone interviewing them says, why are you guys so meticulous about the blue M&Ms? They said it's an indicator of business being taken care of. If they take care of something so unimportant, they're probably going to neglect something more important. 
because there was a concert that they had where they went ahead and let, let the blue M&M rule pass, and the stage fell apart, people got injured, things went wrong, it wasn't good. So little details are important. They indicate your attention to greater details. Such people, faithful people, are trustworthy with everything. If you can be trusted with little things, you can be trusted with more things. Therefore, if you have not been faithful with the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you can't take care of the vehicle God has blessed you with, why should he bless you with more? We're to take care of stuff. Oh, it's all going to burn up one day. Yeah, that's true, it will. Oh, it's all going to wind up in a junkyard 20 years from now. That's true. But right now it is in your possession and in your care. And as a representative of God, we are a witness everywhere we go, right? So we take care of his blessings so we can be trusted with more. So if you despise money, if you despise blessings, I'd say take another look at the scriptures. Well, money's a root of all evil. No, it's not. The love of money is a root of all evil. So take care of your blessings, and your blessings will take care of you. God will, God will see to it. These faithful people are faithful with other people's properties. If you borrow something, it should be returned in better shape than you got it. Someone borrowed my truck recently, and when I got it back, the oil had been changed. That didn't have to be done, but, you know, next time they ask to borrow something, I'm going to be sure. <laughs> Not that I expect anything, but it's trustworthy, right? Jesus said in Luke 16, 12, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Well, I want my own company. I'm tired of working for other people. I know a guy like this. And yet, everything he tries falls apart. Why? Because of his attitude. He is not faithful with that which belongs to another person. So he's critical of his masters or those in authority in his life. And so there's consequences, right? Remember I told you about the painter that hired a member of the church to paint for him? And during the day, he would go research other jobs and check prices and pick up materials. And one afternoon, he came to the job site to check on his crew. And this church member said, where have you been all day? It's not right that we do all the work Chewed him out for being the owner of the company. It's not right. Well, go start your own painting company. Show us how it's done, son. This great trait is required for God's stewards. What I'm talking about is important for all of us. We are his servants. Do you believe that? And so faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, Faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, temperance, self-control, patience. Against these things, there is no law. Faithfulness is a trait of the Spirit of God. We draw on God's faithfulness. We are strengthened by it. I can be trustworthy because God sees and I trust him, and he 
is my source of blessing anyway. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2, Paul wrote, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required. Can you say required? Required of stewards that they be found faithful. This is a minimum standard for God's people. Faithfulness. Does that mean we never fail? Does that mean we're perfectionists? No, but this is, this is where we repent when we fail. We get back up on the horse when we fall off. We get back up when we stumble and walk forward. We repent when we have erred, walking in faithfulness. So there's no room to wallow in condemnation and just, well, I'm just a loser. No, you get back up. Lord, forgive me. I'm going to be faithful with this job. I'm going to be faithful with this car. I'm going to be faithful with this blessing. I'm going to be faithful because I'm looking for your return and you're coming for faithful servants. So this being ready for the Lord's return affects our whole life. Everything. And final point is faithfulness operates when no one is looking. When nobody's looking. The faithful keep right on being faithful. Why? Because someone's looking? No, because they're faithful. It's who they are. It's who they are. Don't work while being watched. Don't work only while being watched. The old King James says, I service, in order to please men, but as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. Ephesians 6, 6. That's right in there with the listing of spiritual armor. I'm going to put my armor on. I'm going to beat the devil. But I'm not going to be faithful in little things. Not going to work. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. My boss is not my boss. The Lord is my boss, right? He's the one we ultimately work for. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. You cruise, you lose. You burn, you learn. You lie, you fry. So being faithful isn't just a show who we are. And it will be noticed, if not by your employer, by a customer who will hire you right out from under his authority. Give a notice, of course. It will happen. I love this cartoon. Why aren't you working? I didn't see you coming. <laughs> That's incredible. We're talking about faithful and unfaithful Servants, the characteristics of faithfulness. Where do we get this faithfulness? We get it from our Heavenly Father, who's incredibly faithful. Incredibly faithful. He's the faithful one, so unchanging. Faithful one, you're my rock of hope. 
Lord of all, I depend on you, and I cry out to you again and again, and I cry out to you again and again. You are my rock in times of trouble. You lift me up when I fall down all through the storm. Your love is the anchor. My hope is in you alone. Unfaithful people will hurt you but our faithful God will heal you. If you make an idol out of people, you're going to be disappointed. Honor them, but don't put them on pedestals and have expectations that they're going to fall off of and give you the right to be mad at them. Just don't do that. Faithful one is the one who we, we serve. Here's a few scriptures on God's faithfulness. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens your faithfulness to the skies. Oh, I love that. Psalm 89, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing with my mouth. Will I make known your faithfulness to all generations? Psalm 89 is full of this. Verse two, for I have said mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. Verse 5, the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. And verse 8, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord, your faithfulness also surrounds you. God's faithfulness. I mean, we love his love, right? We love his grace. We love his mercy. We love his power. What if he had all those attributes, but he was not faithful with them? His faithfulness is the bedrock of our faith. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, Psalm 92, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. This I recall, Lamentations 3, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That lamentation inspired this song. Great is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changest not Thy compassions, they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou forever will be. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars, and their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, 
thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. 2 Timothy 2 says, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He is faithful when I am not faithful. He is faithful when you're not faithful. He is faithful when we are faithless. This is our great God. This verse is mentioned in our bulletin today on the cover. The Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. I'd like to conclude the service today by recognizing a faithful person who one day we all hope to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But there are occasions in life where we get to celebrate someone's faithfulness. And Debbie Ellis has served for years as a volunteer here from the day we began in the first part of 1991. She began to volunteer doing secretarial work. Eventually we were able to hire her part-time as a secretary and then full-time, and she worked for Peanuts. And then the day came when, just through answering the telephone, she began to minister to women, being faithful to do her job as a secretary, but faithful to minister to people that would call in with hurts and needing prayer. And out of that grew a ministry, and she began to oversee the women's ministry. And what a blessing she has been to the elders and Yvette and I. And we'd just like to honor her. Debbie, could you come right on down, Greg and James? Can you come on down, brother? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Debbie, we just salute you. Thank you for being an example of faithfulness to the body. She has felt led of the Lord to retire. We'll probably replace her with a team. <laughs> Thank you so much for your faithfulness to serve when no one's looking, with little things and big things. And when you say you're doing something, we can rest in peace because it gets done. And we just so appreciate you. And here's a token of our appreciation from your congregation. Thank you so much. Thank you. I was grateful for the opportunity to serve and to have been here as long as I have. I love all you ladies and men as well. And appreciate the opportunity that the leadership gave me to serve in this position. So I'll miss y'all, but I'll be here. I won't be leaving. I'll just miss the quality time and Bible study and all. But I would just like to encourage you with a few words. Um, love God, love people, keep your faith, and overcome. Those are the words we need to hear when we're going through tough times. And we need to stick with them. Those are faithful words that we can keep 
no matter what we're going through. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Sing hallelujah. 